Welcome to the Amplified Whole Health Podcast, where personal and organizational health meet. I'm your host, Justin Collier, and my goal is to bring you insightful interviews with business owners and leaders from a variety of different industries. We'll be talking about employee development, leadership, company culture, and quality products and services, and how they drive success in business. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Well, welcome, Steve. I appreciate you joining me on the show today. So your name's Steve Sefcheck, and uh, you're a CPA. Yes. Mm -hmm. And And Justin, it's great to be here today with you. Well, thanks. I'm I'm looking forward to this. I think what's interesting, at least from my perspective, as we start to have this conversation around, you know, what does a CPA do? I know oftentimes I think of a CPA as somebody who's helping with personal taxes, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it goes far beyond that, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So maybe fill us in a little bit on what does that really mean or look like as what does a CPA really do outside of personal stuff? Sure. Well, there's, you know, all kinds of CPAs in that regard. Okay. okay? People think of a CPA as kind of being this all-knowing individual from a financial standpoint, and that's not really true. If you think about the legal profession, you've got everybody's a lawyer. They're a licensed lawyer, and technically, I guess they can practice any kind of law they want. But you've got people who are constitutional lawyers. They're family uh, uh, law um, attorneys. They are uh, divorce attorneys. They're trial attorneys. They are business attorneys, you know, and they really specialize and focus in in certain areas because the subject matter is just too great. Well, it's the same thing with CPAs. Okay. You really have people who focus on uh, auditing, for example, or taxes. Taxes, you can have, you know, people specialize in business taxes, personal taxes, estate taxes, you know. Again, the the uh, uh, subject matter is just way too broad for anybody to have, you know, knowledge of, of everything. And the continuing education is such that it's really tough to keep up with stuff. Sure. Okay? So um, then you get CPAs who, like myself, who do a lot of business consulting as well as taxes and accounting. Now, my practice specifically, I, I don't do auditing, for example, because it's really tough for a sole practitioner like myself to do both both auditing and tax work and consulting on top of that. It's just way too much yeah. to be able to do that. So does that give you an idea of kind of what we're talking about? Yeah, okay. absolutely. And, and the other thing that I would say, a differentiation, I, I, I know that you deal with, or this is geared, I think, more towards smaller businesses, Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We talked to a bunch of different size folks, but I, one of the things I think that is important for us to have a conversation today is, Mm -hmm. is definitely how does this impact a small business? Yeah. Okay. And the reason I bring that up is because, you know, you've got everything from the big four used to be the big eight and then went to big six. Now it's probably the big four. Okay. I mean, these are multinational firms, Mm -hmm. uh, broad. Now they can do everything. They do do everything. Okay. But the price tag of course is obviously a lot greater than a small business needs. A small business doesn't need that kind of capability. Yeah. You know? So smaller businesses are more likely to go to a regional firm or even an individual like myself or small local firms. Yeah. Okay. Small local firms, again, are going to have a little bit greater capability probably because they may do auditing as well as taxes Mm -hmm. and estate stuff, but just on a smaller scale. All right. So I think for the smaller businesses, yeah, they're, they're definitely be looking at their local CPA in their town. So let's start maybe with the personal side and then we'll move into the small business. Sure. As, a, as an individual, mm-hmm. how do you know when you should be bringing on a CPA? Well, from a personal standpoint, I would say uh, 
if you're a business owner. Okay. Soon. Okay. okay. Probably right up front. Okay. Okay. If you're an individual, you know, you're somebody who is an employee, you're working somewhere, you get a W-2, you get some 1099s for investment income, things like that. You know, TurboTax is probably going to work fine for you. You don't need a CPA. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you may have some specialty issues that maybe you're going to do on a one-off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, or you have uh, wealthier individuals who, because of their business, their their investment interests and things like that may need some additional firepower. Got it. But I'm thinking if you are, you know, the typical employee, again, you get a W-2 and a 1099, I'm not sure you need a, a CPA to do that. Sure. Okay? Okay. Now, if you're a business owner, yeah. all right, uh, part of what I do as well is I will say, my, my, you know, my target area now is from a, a pre-startup, mm-hmm. okay? So somebody who's thinking about going into business, yeah. okay? Uh, for me, up to about $5 million or so. Okay. Okay. In revenue. Yeah. Uh, I have had clients larger than that, but for the most part, that's a good break point for for me. But five million is not a small that's organization. That's a small company. Most 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 of your uh, listeners are probably well within that range, frankly. Yeah. Okay. And the reason I do that is uh, uh, primarily, again, as a sole practitioner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I only have so much time available. Yeah. Okay. Larger organizations are going to have greater needs. They're, they may need uh, auditing, for example, as well as tax. Yeah. Okay. So the breadth of, of services that they need is going to be greater. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're going to need to go with a larger firm, for example. Yeah. Uh, so I will work. So your question was, when do you bring one on? If you're a business owner, I would say sooner rather than later. Okay. And why is that? Like, what what is it? That that is kind of like the trigger sooner rather than later, mm-hmm. but why? What's really the driver there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say you know what upfront you're probably you know another professional you're going to want to have in your pocket there is as an attorney. Uh-huh. All right, depending upon how you take the entity, you may you probably want a little bit of legal advice in terms of of. Um, of what kind of entity. Mm-hmm. Now I can advise clients on that as well, but I tell people, Hey, I'm, I'm not a, a, an attorney. Yeah. Okay. So if you need specific legal advice, okay, you definitely need to go to an attorney. Okay. Um, but in terms of for, if you're going to form an entity, mm-hmm. okay. T- you know, technically people can do it themselves. Actually, I, I have clients that do it themselves. Okay. I would recommend spend a little bit of money to have an attorney do it because they get that they make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Okay. Typically when you, when an individual does it themselves, they're doing the absolute minimum filing that they need with the state in order to get in business, mm-hmm. to be legal with the business. Right. Okay. That doesn't mean necessarily that they're set up the proper way with their company agreements or their bylaws, things like that. An attorney can add that value up front. Yeah. Okay? But I mean, so much of what you're talking about though, as far as like this, you know, having someone help you define and set this stuff up is it matters, especially when it comes to your taxes. Yeah, the absolutely. That you've created. H- how you are taxed, okay, uh, will depend upon. Do you have partners? Are you sole practitioner? How big is the business? What what kind of business do you have? I mean, you know, there are all kinds of issues that you'd want to sit down and talk to your CPA about. Yeah. All right. Um, so, so that's one aspect of it, certainly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other thing is. Um, depending upon a CPA, some of them tend to be, uh, depends upon their strategy, I suppose, in running their practice mm-hmm. as to whether they want 
someone to already have been in business and that they are then really focusing, say, on the tax. Got okay? it. Okay. Yeah. Versus the CPA, like myself, who says, look, I like working with you to help you with your business plan, uh, with your financing plans, helping you through this process. All right. So the sooner I would get involved with somebody, the better. For both of us, actually, helps sure. helps me to understand them better and to guide them better. Yeah, from their standpoint, they have a better understanding of of how to how to move it forward. Uh, the other thing would be obviously the accounting system. Okay, uh, depending on the kind of business, uh, how how big it is, what you're doing, how you're structured, getting the accounting system set up up front mm-hmm. saves a lot of time and effort. You know, for example, uh, for example, me coming in and having to retrofit something that you have, you know, gerrymandered, put (laughs) it together. And now I have to, you know, undo certain things. Yeah. So, so now you wouldn't rec, well, or do you, maybe this is better. It's a question, which is, do you recommend someone immediately starts an LLC or a partnership or, or whatever, anytime they're thinking about going into business, at what point should someone form an entity? Mm -hmm. Good question. Because I, I, I do get that quite a bit. Um, you know, if you, if you have a kind of business that, you know, you've got some major investment coming in mm-hmm. and again, I'm not talking about venture capital <laughs> right. kind of thing that, that a, that's not my, my marketplace. It is not the marketplace for the vast majority of the people listening to your, because it's such a small small piece of business anyway. Yeah. Okay. People are going to do an IPO or get venture capital. I mean, it is a, a, a small, small slice of the business community. But I mean, uh, somebody who is, you know, you've got some family members, you got friends, you know, friends and family. You may even have some um, angel investors eventually that get involved. Okay. Okay. So, so somebody who's coming in with some capital. Mm-hmm. And significant yeah. capital. And there I would say, okay, let's sit down. Let's, let's, you know, you've got the dough to, you know, move this thing forward in a big way. You've got a, a more elaborate business plan. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you're going to do this. Well, let's set up some of those structures right up front. Yeah. All right. If you are the individual who is starting out maybe with a side business, all right, um, you, you probably don't want to get too technical up front. You don't necessarily want to get too structured up front. Because that does involve, for example, if you're going to set up an S corporation, mm-hmm. okay, um, that takes some filing with the IRS, you know, it takes, which is going to cost you some money, you know, uh, the CPA that you sit down with is probably going to charge you to do that kind of work, okay? Yeah. Uh, plus, if you decide, well, I don't want to do this anymore, you have to undo a lot of that stuff. So unless you're really committed to this to the business and have some staying power, you probably want to start out as a... Uh, just a Schedule C sole proprietor. Give it a try for a little bit. You know, f- figure out what you're doing. Now I say that do you have to file specific paperwork if you're going to do a Schedule C sole proprietor. With no, not at all. That you just you just decide that you're going to be in business. Maybe we talk a little bit about some of the legal entities first. Okay. So as a when you're sole proprietor, it's one individual who decides I want to go into business. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. And they just decide to do it. They go out and perform their service. Yeah, like you're going to make soap and sell bars of soap. Sure. Down at the local flea market. At the flea market. Whatever. Right. And a lot of those, most of those people probably are. Just a sole proprietor. Sole proprietor. They file a Schedule C with their tax return. So they're doing their normal tax return. And then they've just got this additional Schedule C that they're going to fill out as part of that process. Exactly. And and they don't really need to do anything else. They don't need to file with the state. 
at all, okay? And keep in mind, all these entities that we talk about are not at a federal level, they're at a state level. All, all this is, is, so the state of Arkansas is different than the state of Texas, the state of New York, you know, that kind of thing. Now, there's an awful lot of similarities, especially when you get to LLC law, that seems to be an awful lot, or corporation law even, there's an awful lot of similarities. So I could, I could probably talk in 80% generalities with most states, but there are and that's one reason why you have an <laughs> attorney, yeah. okay, who knows those differences. Yeah. Okay. So that's the sole proprietor. Oh, and actually, I'm gonna, if it's all right, I'd like to pause you. I'd like, sure. How important is that attorney-CPA relationship? Uh, pretty important, actually. I work closely with attorneys. Uh, it depends upon the entity. Uh, I happen to be working closely one with one right now, actually on a termination, in that the individual has decided that that it's time for them to retire. Okay. Well, it's time for them to shut down their business. Okay. There are specific steps that that both the attorney and the CPA need to coordinate on, mm-hmm. okay, in order to bring that to a kind of a successful conclusion. Yeah. Okay. It's so. not, you don't just like wake up on a Monday morning and go, I'm shutting down my business. Yeah. There's more to it than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, Part of my consulting practice is working with buyers and sellers of business as well. Okay. Okay. And one of the things I will say is that do not wake up one day and decide you want to sell your business. This should be a multi-year decision where you're looking down the road because some of the things, the way you manage the business while while you're owning and operating it may be different than when you're selling it. Mm -hmm. And you, you want to position it for sale. Okay. So... You should be thinking about that ahead of time. There should be an exit strategy. You should definitely have an exit strategy. I like to tease clients and say, you know, you're going to have an exit strategy or you need an exit strategy because you're going to exit the business one way or another, whether whether it's horizontally or vertically, (laughs) okay, you are going to exit this business. So so you're better off thinking about that up front and having a plan, Mm -hmm. okay, when when the time is right. Yeah. Um, Now, there is a voluntary exit strategy and an involuntary, as we as yeah. just kind of hinted at, okay, yeah. uh, which leads to a succession plan. Succession plan, mm-hmm. okay, in that you should, you know, have some basics down in in the event of your death, you know, incapacity, you know, that kind of thing. Wh- what am I going to do with this business? How is it going to be dealt with? Mm-hmm. Now, your sole proprietor making the soap at the at the um, the um, uh, 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 flea market. Flea market there. Yeah, I mean that's pretty easy. You just basically take the, whatever is left over and. Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah. You know, there's not much else to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if you're a... So let's move on. Yeah. So we've, we've talked about a Schedule C idea. What's mm-hmm. the next... Okay. Next so step? the next one would then be, you have a partner. Okay. Okay. Two people get together and say, well, let's, let's you know, form a business here. Mm-hmm. Let's do this together. Okay. Yeah. That's going to take uh, another area where you probably want an attorney. Okay. Because partnerships can be formed even if you don't intend to form them or think you're forming them. Okay. okay? So you got to be careful about that. Okay. But it is important to, to then have a company agreement. Okay. Let's say you're willingly coming together. You and I say, let's form this business. Uh, what you really need to do is have a company agreement that says, this is how we are going to run this thing. Okay. Um, who's, who's going to be making the management decisions? You know, are we both general partners? Are you a general partner? I'm a limited partner. I mean, you know, those kinds of things. Um, how are distributions going to be made? When are distributions going to be made? There's a, there's a whole myriad of, 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 uh, decisions that need to be, uh, followed in operating the business. Okay. Starting and operating and even terminating it. 
Okay. So you want to basically get that in, in, in a written document up front. Okay. So that takes some coordination, right? Now that's going to be a, when you have a partnership, now you have a separate entity, which now has to have a separate tax return. Okay. Yeah. Now you are on a federal level. All right. So let's keep in mind that what you've got federal issues to deal with and you've got state issues to deal with. Okay. Uh, for me, my practice is in Austin, Texas. Okay. You know, uh, Texas has a very, um, on a, from a business standpoint, of course, we have no personal income tax. Okay. On a business standpoint, um, there's a very high threshold of where on a state level, you do need to file a tax return, but no taxes do. Okay. So it's, there's some thresholds you have to actually, um, exceed before you actually pay tax. All right. Okay. But you still have to file a return. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got the federal, okay, which of course every state is, you know, people are subjected to. Mm. So on a federal level, and I'm going to talk primarily from the federal level, okay, because uh, 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 this is the state of Arkansas here. So, you know, I don't, I, I'm not prepared to talk about, yeah. you know, Arkansas. You, pra you practice law. in Texas. So. I practice in Texas. Yeah. So, um, so on a federal level, then now you have to file a 1065, which is a partnership return, okay? And it's not technically a tax return. It is an information return. And the reason is it's what is called a, a flow-through entity. And that what that means is that the partnership itself does not pay tax. Any, any um, profits, losses, deductions, credits, et cetera, flow through to the individual. And they, they get what is called a K-1, which lists all the stuff out. Yeah. And then- they have they integrate that into their 1040, their personal tax return. Got it. Okay. So at this point, you're still not filing as like a true business in this sense. Like when I say, but you're not filing as a true entity when you think about like a corporation. Yeah. It's really more at this point still going on to your personal tax return, very That's much correct. like the Schedule C. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Got it. Now what happens with that? There's a there's a specific place. Now you may be as an individual. Let's say you're a silent partner, mm -hmm. okay, or um, you are, uh, even if you're a general partner, okay, um, you're going to be getting these K1s, okay? Those have to be integrated into your 1040. Yeah. Now, that's becoming a little more a little more difficult, okay? You may need CPA um, uh, help on a personal level. I think point. what's really interesting about this is... I think for a lot of people starting a business, there's a big fear element. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to take this step. I'm going to, you know, leap into something new that I don't necessarily understand. And then on top of just trying to get into business, there's all of these tax sure. implications yeah. and everything, you know, and, and legal implications and all the stuff that goes mm -hmm. along with it. And that adds this burden of stress. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I think for many people, they get kind of hung up in uh, how am I supposed to do that? And what do I business do? Yeah, and what do I do? Like, I oh my gosh. What, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's why you need good um, professional advisors. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's one of those here. things like you should just spend the money and get some sure. help. It's a good investment. If you're going right to start a front. business, yeah, you need the help. Mm -hmm. You cannot go out. You can't it do it all yourself. Yeah. And nor should you. Right. Because it's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to run your business? Mm -hmm. Because that's what you're good at. Mm -hmm. You know, you're good at making the soap. Mm -hmm. You should be focusing on making the soap, not figuring out yeah. tax yeah. implications. Or you get the hairdresser. Yeah. Loves, loves cutting hair. Okay. Well, now winds up, you know, opening a studio and having people coming in. They're cutting the hair and, and, they're, and the other, you know, the, the owner is now doing the accounting. 
the you know any kind of uh, uh, disbursements. You know, they're taking care of all the business stuff. They're not cutting hair. Well, they don't, they don't, they're not doing what they really like to do, you know? So some of that stuff can be outsourced, outsized bookkeeper, for example, or a CPA, you know, and that kind of thing. I think founders find themselves in that situation a lot where they end up doing the things in the business that they don't love doing. Right. Right. Hey, I'll tell you what, before we, before we go down that path, let me just quickly finish the tax thing. Let's do it. Because we're kind of halfway into it. Let me just, I'll I'll just quickly talk, talk this through and then we can get back to this issue. Um, so you can have, so again, you can set up the general partnership. You don't have to do anything with the state yeah. in, in general. Okay. Um, however, you can have what's called a limited partnership. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where you have a general partner who runs the place and then you have these limited partners. Okay. One of the things about a partnership, by the way, is every partner is, is, um, liable for any debts of the business. Okay. Business gets sued. You borrow money, whatever it is, everybody is, is, um, uh, individually liable as well as collectively. Okay. Okay. So what you can have, now you have to file with the state is what is called limited partnership, where you can have one or many general partners, and then you have these limited partners who basically are putting in money only, all right? They have no say in management. Their liability is limited to their investment. Got it. Okay. Uh, that would also involve a 1065, by the way, in terms of tax filings. Okay. So, so similar to the general partnership. Um, now, there is a, uh, a lot of people tar- heard about an S corporation. Yeah. Okay. And they think about this as a, as a separate kind of legal entity, okay, which isn't technically true. What you've got is you've got your legal structure. Okay, which would be, you know, an LLC, a partnership, a corporation, whatever. And then you elect to have an S corporation um, election that you make with the federal government. And it's strict. It's really strictly at the at the federal level. Some states do have kind of the equivalent of of an S corporation. Okay, but that's that's separate from from at the federal level. So the S is the election you've made. With the federal go- with the IRS to be taxed a certain way, mm-hmm. okay, but you're still an you still have a separate legal entity. I, for example, am an LLC. I'm a PLLC, which is a professional limited liability company, but I file as an S corporation. Okay? okay, so you're if 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 somebody was to ask, what are you? I'm an LLC. The filing is as an as an S corporation. Okay. Uh, that also is a pass through entity, which means the S corporation is not taxed. All right, F- again, file a a return. An 1120S, all right, it's an information return. Looks like it looks and smells like a tax return. The only difference is the entity doesn't pay the tax. It's everything is passed through to the individual. And once again, you get a K1, a different kind of K1 mm-hmm. that goes on your 1040. Now, another level of, of, of potential complication. If somebody's got partnerships and S corporations, you know, now you got two different kinds of, of K ones to deal with. And, you know, that can get a little complicated because there are, there are differences. Uh, the last thing that I'll cover is what we think of is the C corporation, Mm -hmm. right? There you're, that is a, that is a separate legal entity that does pay tax. Mm -hmm. And this is an example of a C corporation just off the top of your head. Pick one, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Okay. Yep. One of the advantages here, all right, and that's why most of my clients, uh, I do have them, okay, but uh, some of them have come to me as C corporations already, is, and 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 they all eventually elect to become S corporations. Frankly, so the okay. legal entity is a C corporation with an X S status. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they are, why do they do it? Um, if, if you think you, you need additional capital, because it's going to be easier for a C corporation to get additional capital than probably a partnership. Certainly a sole proprietor really can't get additional equity capital. They have to borrow. Okay. Um, uh, so, you, you know, I think, um, if you, if you ever, if you're positioning the business again, like a technology business because to maybe target for an, for, uh, a, an IPO or something like that, well, you're going to really need to be a C corporation. Mm-hmm. But again, I think most of your, your people listening to your podcast, probably a C corporation doesn't necessarily really make, need to make sense, yeah. you know? Um, so the major drawback there, okay is the whole issue of double taxation, right? With a C-corporation, the corporation actually pays tax, federal taxes. So so whatever uh, whatever they earn, okay, they're paying tax to the federal government. Now, any dividends that are passed to the individual, okay, that individual is paying tax on that as well. So those earnings are taxed twice rather than once. Yeah. Right? So that's why you see the vast majority of entities in this country Okay, are S corporations mm-hmm. Out, outside of sole proprietors? Sure, there, there's a ton of sole proprietors, certainly. But in terms of of entities, okay, they're filing as S corporations. Got it. Yeah, yeah. There was some question whether that would change with the with the recent um, uh, uh, you know, Trump tax um, changes, but it seems like nothing's changed there. We'll have to see how that shakes out in the future. But yeah, makes sense. Okay, awesome. so I just wanted to bring. Yeah, that no, I appreciate that. I think that's really good perspective for so many people because there it is, uh, in some ways, daunting. I think trying to figure out, well, what do I need to be and, and how do I need to be? And <laughs> hey, with the ta- with the tax laws the way they are, it's taunting for the CPAs to keep up with. It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking of, I'm sure you know there's a lot of continuing education that you go through. Yeah. It's like me. I, it's like I'm not studying this stuff. I don't understand it. I don't. You know, it's like I can I can file my own taxes thanks to yeah. TurboTax, and mm-hmm. beyond that, yeah, yeah. I mean, it gets over my head and really the, quick. You know, in the state of Texas, I'm required to do 40 hours a year in 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 uh, continuing professional education. Uh, not all in tax necessarily. I mean, that's a broad range, <coughs> but the the um, you know the purpose of the uh, of of the CPE requirement by the Texas State Board of of uh, Accountancy is to keep CPAs up to date on what's going on. Okay. And you really do that through, through your, your CPE. And there's a ton of, of options to do that. So, yeah. Well, so we talked a little bit about these different corporations and we okay. started to kind of, to go down a rabbit trail. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's of, get back about, to that. Uh, what founders are doing, right? This idea that founders oftentimes, I think, get caught up doing things in the business that they don't really enjoy and mm-hmm. they think that that's what they should be doing you know it's, so it's like like you said the hair you like to cut hair and now all of a sudden you find yourself doing all this paperwork and yeah. you know more running the business than doing the actual thing that it is that you were particularly passionate about right. and do you think that that causes um or prevents companies from from growing effectively because they get distracted with other things or do you feel like maybe they get burned out or, I mean, you've talked to a lot of small businesses. So what challenges do you feel like they, they run into? You know, I was thinking about this the other day and once again, I think for probably your target audience, Mm -hmm. one thing I would advise smaller companies to be aware of. Okay. 
There is a difference between a giant multinational corporation and, you know, the small, you know, corner guy doing something. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're completely different worlds, you know? Um, and this small, small businessman, okay, business person should, should not be looking to the larger corporations, seeing what they're doing. Mm. Okay. And yeah. try and emulate them. And primarily because of resources, they don't have the financial resources or the human resources or the, you know, other organizational resources, technology resources to, to, to try and match that in any way. All right. Mm -hmm. They've got to recognize they've, they've got limitations they have to deal with. And I think one of the, one of the major problems that I encounter with smaller clients, okay, is limitation of finances. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's face it. They just don't have enough capital. Yeah. Right? They're probably undercapitalized to start with, frankly. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then it becomes more difficult for them to borrow. All right. So, so they're, and, and they don't have great profitability. I mean, these are not, they don't have the margins of a Google or an Apple or people like yeah. that. I mean, you know, some of these people, a, a lot of small businesses, the owners are making a living at it and, yeah. and that's it. They're not, they're never going to get really, really big. What they, what they can have is a profitable and a very good lifestyle sure. you know, by having their own business, you know, but so to try and mimic what, you know, to read the newspapers or see these, see, you know, other other kinds of of uh, of avenues, you know, seeing what the big companies are doing. Forget it; you're not going to match them. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't mean you don't have to compete with them sometimes, but you can't match them. You can't go toe to toe. Okay. Um. So you know, and when I say resources, not just cash, it is the human resources, i.e., finding a trained staff, you know, that can do the job. Yeah. All right. That can be difficult. All right, and that can be a real limitation to growth. You know, would you recommend, you know, the, the, the person who, who's cutting hair, uh, who started their business because that's what they wanted to do. And now they find themselves doing paperwork and all these other things. Um, would you generally, if you were to walk in and, and to begin consulting with them, would you typically recommend that they, they figure out a way to do that differently and to get them back into the thing that they were passionate about? Or would you typically recommend, no, you got, you know, keep doing this and, you know, cutting hair is not as important right now. Well, I think that depends. You know what? That really depends upon the individual. Okay. And part of what I, the role I play, I think, with those individuals is kind of psychologist, I guess. You know? Yeah. And and they don't lay down on a couch uh, and talk to me. But, you know, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, what do you want to do? Do If you want to cut hair and you really like to cut hair, then uh, probably either either go rent your own space and cut hair. Or if you want to have your own business, you know, you can always, you could always, if, again, if you've got resources, you could always hire a manager to do that stuff and you go cut hair. Yeah. You're still the owner of the business. You're profiting from it, et cetera, et cetera. But you got somebody else doing the work of the general manager and you're cutting the hair. Yeah. Okay. Um, if the, per, if the, per, so, or, or do you say, I really, I like being in the, in the uh, hair cutting business. But I don't necessarily want to cut hair. I, I I want to open a studio, and then I want to open a second one and the third one, and I want to become you know uh, the owner of a bunch of you know beauty studios, sure, or whatever they're called. Uh, yeah. So uh, so they've got to figure out what they want to do. Now, if they want to be the owner, 
okay, then that's what they need to focus on. I shouldn't say the owner, the general manager. Yeah. Okay. If they want to be the general manager of the business, then they need to kind of forget about cutting hair, cut maybe in part time, cut a, you know, a few select clients, something yeah. like that, and focus on the business because the business needs focus. I, I've had clients who have failed because of absentee, you know, ownership and management, you know, businesses were were perhaps marginal to start with. And if you're an absentee owner, you know, it, it isn't going to fly, you know? Uh, so if they decide they want to be the, you know, the, um, to be the general manager, okay, and take this thing forward, okay, then they have to look at, I think, things like, what are they good at? And what should they do versus what should they outsource? Mm-hmm. Okay. And this kind of hits at what we were talking about before. The marginal stuff, okay. You got employees. Uh, I think I only have one client at this point, and I really don't want to take on any other clients who don't use a payroll service. Because okay. that is going to get you in deep with the IRS if you don't do that correctly. That so is you'd, a, you'd recommend someone who's going to have employees get a payroll service? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if they might re- if they were my client, I would require it. That's yeah. how important it is. Wow. I've had clients uh, in the past where uh, they have had major tax problems because they haven't properly deposit, made their tax deposits and things like that. And they're, they're working through those issues now and they can be a real problem and they catch up with you over the long term. Yeah. So know? it's not day one. It's not day one. It's more like two years from now. Yeah. By the time the IRS reconciles all this stuff. Okay. Yeah. It can be one, two, maybe even three years before this stuff is caught up with you. And, and, then, and then it's a real problem. Yeah. Okay. So that's a number one. Okay. Uh, and I don't do payroll, for example. I don't. I don't do what I call operational services. Okay, uh, because that is a, a specialty type thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you need somebody who can uh, do that on a regular basis. Uh, if I was a business owner, I'd have to be asking myself, Well, do I want to be able to take time to go on a vacation if I can, or do I have to be here to do payroll? <laughs> if I got a payroll service, the payroll's being taken care of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, bookkeeping is another one of those things. Okay. Now, I do recommend for people starting out businesses. Okay. You know, I'll help them start set up their books and start to, start to kind of get going on this. A lot of them, I would recommend. Um, probably they're small enough that I can. I would help them up front. I don't do book, bookkeeping services myself. A lot of CPAs do. That's mm-hmm. a that's a important part of their practice. Um, there's a lot of independent bookkeepers out there who can, who can do this work. Okay. But I would say with the owner, do some of the bookkeeping up front. So you're comfortable with the financial statements, what they, what they mean. How do you use them? The bookkeeping itself, you know, when you have to actually do the bookkeeping, you have a better perspective on what all the stuff means. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then eventually step out of that yeah. because that's, it's certainly not a waste of time. It's something that needs needs to be done. Yeah. You just shouldn't be doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Outsource it, pay for it. It's relatively cheap, just like payroll companies are relatively cheap, Yeah, you know, for what you're getting. Okay. Bookkeeping is kind of the same way. All right. Take the burden of data entry and reconciliations, all that kind of stuff off your plate. Okay. So you can start to focus on the development of the business, the strategy of the business, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. How important the real value is, adds. How important is strategy when you're when you have these conversations with your customers? Do do you often find that they have a pretty clear defined strategy or is it something that they're still trying to like work through and and process? Depends on the client. Depends on the client. Those that have been in business 
longer term and are a little larger, uh, have better business acumen. They've kind of survived. They've got the battle scars. I know that that's important. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think strategy has changed over the years. Um, it used to be, you know, that you would do these big formal strategic documents and, you know, you know, there's always the talk of the Japanese who, you know, would plan out 250 years from now. Well, you know, uh, probably for small business planning out in the next year is probably, you know, a lot, a lot, <laughs> yeah. you know, not that it's not necessary, but that's probably what happens is they're, they're thinking, you know, they're trying to get through the next month, let alone, you know, yeah. but it really is important. You've got to figure out, um, what direction do you want to go here? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's like having a compass. You, know, you got to have a compass in some way. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, I guess if you don't really care where you're going, then you're not, you know, you're never lost. You don't need a compass. You just keep going. You know, that's not necessarily going to get you where you want to be. Yeah. You know? um, so I think it's very important. Okay. How much does it have to be documented? I think some of that is uh, maybe what makes it more of a daunting task for small business people mm -hmm. is the actual kind of documenting this thing and they're, they're not really sure, you know, what to, yeah. what to do. But, you know, somebody once said, and, uh, I thought it was, I thought I read it was a general Eisenhower. I don't, I forget who it exactly was, but, it, yeah. but he said, you know, he said, um, uh, plans are nothing. Planning is everything. Mm. You know, and it's, you know, it's always when the first shot is fired, you know, the, the battle plan goes out the window because it's all, and that's kind of what business is. You know, you can sit down pre-business. I can t talk to you till we're blue in the face to come up with strategies and, and stuff like that. And then you get in the real world, you know, looking for that first dollar coming in and, you know, and everything's out the window because all of a sudden you found a new competitor, you know, your people quit on you, whatever. So you're in the thick of battle right up front, but it's the... Uh, one of the value adds that I try to do with my my clients is the planning process. Mm. And, and what that means is sitting down and just talking through things, asking questions. I mean, I, I come, I, I'll tell people, you know, you got the answers. I don't necessarily have the answers, especially if it's a specialty type business or something, you know, that, yeah. that I'm not particularly familiar. You know, I can't be an expert in everything. Okay. You're the expert in that business. What I can do is help draw out those the, the, you know, draw that out of you by asking questions, mm -hmm. kind of like actually educate by educating myself. Okay. I'm helping you to figure out your business. Yeah. Because I'll ask us what looks like a stupid question, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, just because I don't know the answer, mm -hmm. you know, and they can, based on that answer, I may, I may ask a different question. All of a sudden it gets them thinking about something mm -hmm. different, you know? Yeah. And it's not like I have brought a solution necessarily. Uh, I've helped them to find their own solution. Right. Yeah, I think that's so much about mm -hmm. what Amplified focuses on is is coaching. I mm -hmm. mean, that's really what it is. It's asking quality questions to get people to stop and pause yeah. and yeah. reflect and think. Because I, and we do this in our personal lives. We, I think we do this in our business lives as well, which is we, we oftentimes don't stop to ask ourselves the question. Yep. And, and even if we do ask ourselves the question, we don't always stop to actually process it and ponder it. And then execute it. And then execute it. It's oftentimes we <laughs> yeah. kind of, you know, it's like, well, what, what am I going to wear today? I want to wear clothes. Yeah. And that's the end of the, you know, yeah. the thought process. Yeah. And we just kind of stop. Yeah. And we need to dig deeper. Or say we should do this and go back to autopilot and do what we were doing before. Yeah. And some of it is, 
obviously with smaller companies, we're getting back to limited resources. It's mm-hmm. like you're drinking out of a fire hose, as they say. You know, I mean, you can you can plan to do this, but there's so much coming at you that that day I didn't get a chance to do what I you know wanted to do, what the plan said I should be doing and wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's planning is so important, and having having a certainly a direction as to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then trying to come up with some, some strategy. And I find I've, I've got some clients that are, again, a little bit larger companies where some very talented people mm-hmm. and not, really, really know what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. And others, not so much, you know? Yeah. They're learning. Yeah. Figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. But they've taken the leap. They have taken the leap. Yep. And I, I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. And you know what I would say there? I would say that I think if you ask, a hundred people, would you like to own your own business? Probably, you know, these are numbers. Made make, up numbers. Making yeah. up. Okay. 98, 98 out of a hundred are going to say, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to be, I'd love to be my own business. Uh, and what I would argue is out of that hundred, probably only, again, making up a number, only six of them should be in business, <laughs> you know, because the other ones should be employees. Okay. What they want to do is they want to roll out of bed. Okay. And, and uh, uh, let me not be. Don't let me not sound so condescending. Yeah. Um, they want a certain lifestyle, mm-hmm. and they may be hard workers. They may be um, very knowledgeable and good at what they do. Okay, but you know what? They don't want the headaches of being a business because they really don't understand all what happens after the front door closes. You know, and the yeah. customers go away. All that's required. All when when do you think all that bookkeeping gets done? It gets done on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. You know? When does the strategic thinking get done? It's probably at 2 a.m. in the morning when you're awake trying to figure out, you know, what you're going to do the next day. And they they don't want that kind of, of uh, hassle. Plus, they're not willing to take the risk. And this comes back to what you were talking about before. What you started talking about was risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. You better be prepared to take risks in business. Okay. At some point, you have to jump. You know, if you're... If if you want to go into business, okay, yeah, you can do some part-time stuff and you can kind of, you know, do this maybe as a hobby and things like that. But eventually, if you're going to be success, successful at this and move forward, you're going to have to make that jump and take that risk. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so. Yeah. At some point, you just got to pull the trigger and, you pull the trigger. and do it. Yep. And so many people, like you said, almost aren't really cut out for it. Right. It's, it's a romantic idea. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to, A, I'm going to make so much money. Okay. Uh, B, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. You know? Uh, and C, I think success, how, how can I not be successful? Look at my, look at my business plan. Right. Well, so that's, a, you know, this is an interesting question or idea is if you think about as an employee, you know, what most of us are going to work 40 hours a week, let's just say, right? That's kind yeah. of the typical, if you're an employee, you're going to work 40 hours a week. Think back to one of your clients. How many hours a week do you think that they work? Well, I'll tell you what. I've got a client right now uh, that I work qu- quite closely with. Uh, more than just a CPA, I'm really uh, much more uh, integrated into the company from a consulting standpoint. And uh, I love these people. They are really, they're, they're probably in their late 30s. Okay. Uh, one is very good at marketing. The other is very good at the production aspects. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I've have been through uh, some trials and tribulations. You know, 
but they have worked like crazy. Okay. I, and now they are, they are moving into a, into a higher growth phase. Okay. Yeah. It's not unusual for them easily to work six days a week. And now for the last couple, last month or so, because of increased sales and things like that, they're working seven days a week. Yeah. How many hours a day? 12. Yeah. I mean, right. they're putting a lot of effort into this business. They've got a lot of potential. This is not a, it's a, it's a, uh, let's call it a manufacturing business. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they've done a, a good job of, of marketing their, the company. Yeah. They're starting to play with, with big boys in their, in their industry. Yeah. You know, but they're working, they're working their butts off. Yeah. But they're good at what they do. I think they love what they do. Yeah, they get tired, but they're, you know. But they just keep grinding and They and keep doing it. grinding away. I really admire these people. Yeah. They work hard. Yeah. And so that's I, that's an interesting point, which is what do you want your life to look like? Because mm -hmm. if you want to work 40 hours a week and then go home on the weekend and play with your kids, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. And that's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. But that And most people probably ought to do that. Yeah. But then you take another... You know, like this couple or, or, or partners or whatever that mm -hmm. you're speaking of, you know, they're working seven days a week. Mm -hmm. And so they've either got to really love it or there's got to be a different motivation there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say, uh, you know, their motivation is, I think is kind of interesting. Obviously they want to make money. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. If you don't want to be, if you don't want to make money, <laughs> Jeez, man, why, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Yeah, why are you, why you, know? are you doing this? Yeah. And, and if you want to be a, if you want to be uh, someone who provides social goods, well, then go work for a nonprofit. Yeah. You know? Um, and I, you know, <laughs> when I was in business school, you know, we very much focused on, which I still do, sorry, is uh, stockholder value. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested necessarily in stakeholder value. Mm -hmm. Now there's a lot of thinking of businesses as these social entities. Okay. Mm -hmm. And once again, I think we're talking about uh, big corporations who have the luxury of, of, of being involved at the social level mm -hmm. versus <coughs> smaller, you know, smaller entities. Okay. Who, who probably really just need to focus on making money, okay? Yeah. Because it's going to be more difficult them, for them to, you know, to make money, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, so I forgot where I was going with the whole story. That's just not unusual in my life, but... <laughs> well, that's all right. I, you know, I think that the, at the end of the day, I think that it's really a question of of what do you want your life to look yeah. like? Yeah. And where do you see yourself one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from yeah. now? And... And and also I think it's it's important to remember that life is about phases or mm -hmm. chapters, and so just because you start off in one place doesn't mean that that's where you have to. Finish. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, oh, that brings me back to these these folks. Besides the making money, is I think they want to be um, players in the industry. They like their industry. They like what they do. Actually, the products that they that they manufacture are are. Um, do have kind of a social value. Okay. Certainly it impacts individuals. Yeah. Very much so. And it's related to some, some healthcare issue okay. uh, things. So I think they feel good about themselves and their business, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and they want, they want to be successful. Yeah. You know, they're hard workers. They're, they're, 
they're uh the good old-fashioned americans <laughs> okay yeah yeah put their head down and yeah and work. they work hard so this is actually now I'm, re- I'm reflecting on a conversation i had with my wife the other day mm-hmm. in regards to the greatest generation mm-hmm. and and i th- and i wonder to myself if they weren't the greatest generation because they went to war at a very young age and they were put into a situation where they had to just grind it out every mm-hmm. day in a wartime scenario. Mm-hmm. So the men were off in, in battle and the women were at home taking care of, you know, like building tanks. And I mean, it was yep. like, you know, it was like a huge. And don't forget coming off the Great Depression. Yeah. And so there's this, you know, it's like they were really working. Mm-hmm. And so the moment that they got out, they knew what it was like to work. Yeah. And to work long hours. Yeah. And, and to to really push forward. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe we've lost some of that. Well, if you want me to get philosophical, no, I can I do that. I do that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would agree with you. I think there is, I think there's a lot of truth to that. You yeah. Know, you know, it was the greatest generation, you know, and, you know, I think um, having, being too affluent can be a problem. Mm. If things come to, there's a term for that, affluenza. You've probably heard that yeah. term. Okay. You know, um, entitled, you know, children, for example, who just have a lot of, lot of money. They don't have to work for it. They, you know, have everything handed to them, et cetera. And we are fortunately, thank God, we are a very affluent country. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we've been a very successful country. Um, but to keep that going, it's going to require hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I was listening to a book the other day on Audible. I'm, I'm not much of a reader. I wish I was, but I find mm-hmm. I just don't take the time to do that. But I can listen to a book. So I, I sure. find that I'm doing that. That's as good as reading. Yeah. So. I mean, it's close. Because I can, you know, multitask. I can, mm-hmm. you know, do something mind, mindless and, right. and listen. And so I find, or the book was talking about this idea that wealth often skips generations. And it's because of exactly what you're talking about. You're, you know, you're an affluent child, and, and so you don't develop those habits that made your parents successful. And what made your parents successful was most likely grinding it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, mean, you know, I've, I, uh, I didn't read the entire report. I've read some excerpts of it. And there was a study that was done, oh, years back. Uh, and I, th- I want to say it was the Federal Bank of uh, St. Louis mm-hmm. that did this. And the upshot was it was first generation makes the money, the second generation expands it, and the third generation squanders it. <laughs> okay. And and if you think about it, it's the it's distance from the original yeah. effort and, and how much work has to go into making that money. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You know, second generation has the has the advantage of the base has already been built by the first. Yeah. You know? And that by that first generation, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, my parents, that greatest generation. Sure. It's the, it could be a first generation today, mm-hmm. you know, like the clients that I just talked about who are working like crazy, you know, they may build this thing up to a, 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 a good level. Well, their children may inherit it and expand it. Yeah. You know, and then their great grandchildren might have squandered it. Yeah, might <laughs> squandered it. So yeah. How far, yeah. and we're, we're, we're kind of getting to the point where I want to make sure that we, sure. we wrap up, but I, how much is purpose going to dictate or drive some of that, right? So it's like, as the founder, mm-hmm. I have a very clear purpose for mm-hmm. what it is that we're doing, or at least I hope I have a clear purpose for what it is I'm trying to do. And as you go generations away, that purpose, does it get lost? Can it get lost? It can get lost. And I think that you see that happening. Uh, again, not an expert in this area. I'd probably be, 
you know, I have to probably be some academic that studies this, but you can probably take some of the wealthiest families in the country, okay, uh, names that you would know, mm-hmm. right? And, or or maybe more likely names you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, these firms that have been in the hands for generations, okay, and the children have been bred almost to inherit that business in and the values associated with that business, the right. purpose of it. it's kind of like being, you know, um, English royalty, right? <laughs> those those folks are, are, I think, bred to feel like they are responsible for this nation. Yes, you know, yeah, and they've got a purpose, you know. Uh, and I think in a lot of family-owned businesses that have been around generation after generation, that has has been bred, and you probably see. You know, there's five kids in the family and, you know, two of them want to go off and become musicians or something. Two of them want to work in the business, you know? Yeah. And, but they keep it going because there's a, there's a legacy. There's a, there's a, you know, a heritage associated with that, a sense of pride associated with that business. Yeah. You know? So that's really good. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, I I guess what, you know, maybe it's one thing or a couple of things. Would you recommend to the individual that's, that's just starting out? Like if you just kind of had to sum up our conversation today. Hmm. Um, one thing, and this sounds self-serving, but it isn't. Get some advisors, okay? Yeah. Get some professional advisors in technical areas that you don't know about, mm-hmm. okay? And I mentioned two of them, legal and, and uh, uh, accounting, okay? Accounting tax, okay? Another one might be, uh, and this is somewhat related to uh, probably the legal side, but if you're needing real estate, get a, get a good you know commercial broker who can help you out getting good you know space, yeah. you know, um, and and some marketing help, some some probably not right out of the gate, okay, but pretty soon on. Marketing is extremely important, and I'm not you know I use the marketing in a broad sense, not just advertising. Although that's extremely important, okay? And selling, that's extremely important. But thinking about, you know, what they call the four Ps, you know, and 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 having a good marketing plan, mm-hmm. all right? Um, and then uh, operations, you know, being able to operate the business, you know, in an efficient manner. Yeah. Does that answer that question? I think it Is does. That, I think that, that's a really good word. Yeah. yeah I appreciate okay. you taking the time to, okay. to explain that. And thanks for coming yeah. on the show. And hey, my talking pleasure. about great. Business. We'll have to do it again sometime. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Well, thanks.